0: On today's episode of Sports and the World Football Edition, it's the top college football teams 10 through 6, pay or not pay Dak Prescott, my LFL report, and top NFL teams 20 through 13 That's today on Sports and the World Football Edition. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to us, or hi you listening to us, whether it's through Anchor, or Apple, or Google Podcasts, they are making Sports in the World Football Edition a part of your day. I'm the Darius Brown, and happy Tuesday, or happy day of the week that you're listening to us. I truly do appreciate it. Now, let's dive right on in. You know, we're getting to the nitty-gritty of the list. We're heading to the top 10, this week, 10 through 6. And we're getting, from this point on, You're getting teams that feel like, okay, they're very legit contenders. I think that these 10 teams have a chance to be and play New Year's Day, to play, you know, January Bowl games, because I'm believing in talent. So with that, let's go to number 10, and I have Notre Dame. I have Notre Dame going 9-3 or 10-2. And And their 50-50 game to me is when they go to Michigan, which we'll talk about. What I like about Michigan is the quarterback position, Ian Book. Ian Book took over for a very good Brandon Wimbush, who's now at UCF. You know, Ian Book was eighth in completion percentage at 68.2%. He threw, he threw about 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns. He had four rushing touchdowns. And the thing is that he's, was in, in the top 20 in passing efficiency rating. He's very efficient in the air. And one thing I can say about Brian Kelly on offense is that when you give him the right quarterback and he has to recruit. And like I said, Notre Dame is one of the hardest places, if not the hardest place to recruit in the country because of its location. And you have to sell a kid on a lot of cold winters. And when you got schools like Florida, you know, Miami, you know, teams from Florida and California, Texas recruiting. Hey, the weather's great. But Brian Kelly sells them on, you can be a great quarterback here. And he's done a great job at that position. And, you know, on top of that offense, they got four returning starters on the offensive line. And that's very important because they're going to play a couple of teams where, listen, you've got to protect it. And they have great defenses they're faced this year. Not elite defenses, but good enough to say, you need a strong offensive line. But, you know, going defensively, I really like their defensive ends, Julian Okara and Khalid Kareem. Combined, they have 23 tackles for loss, 12 and a half for Okara, 10 and a half for Kareem. They have 12 and a half sacks combined. Give eight of those to Okara. The remaining four and a half to Kareem. Listen, they're stout on the edge. If you know how they play, that's very important. The thing with Notre Dame, and and I'm gonna get to why I don't have Notre Dame rated higher in, you know, in just a minute. When I and it ties into talking about Brian Kelly. One of the things is is that Notre Dame is a type of program they could play up to the talent or down to the talent. And like I say, they could have, you know, they beat Michigan, but Michigan kind of shot themselves. In the foot. But, you know, I look at Notre Dame and say, the reason why I don't have many higher, I look at Brian Kelly versus his rivals. And the rivals he's playing this year, he's playing USC, Navy, Stanford, and Michigan, as I mentioned, and Boston College. Combined in his career, 24 and 14 while he's at Notre Dame. Listen, You know he can beat USC. He's six and three. He can beat Navy seven and two. He can beat Boston. He's five and zero. But Stanford and Michigan, listen, they haven't. Notre Dame hasn't won in Palo Alto since two thousand seven, and they're three and six against Stanford. Is Brian Kelly? Michigan's three and three. They're at Michigan. They haven't won in Ann Arbor since 05. That's what concerns me about saying, I can't put them high because if they can go to Ann Arbor and beat Michigan, that changes the scope. And they could, I could argue be a top five team because they're favored in pretty much every game the rest of the way. So, because look, you know, they could end up probably losing I could argue they could probably go 10 and two, losing just to Georgia and that Stanford still really that's the hiccup game, I believe because it's the end of the season. But Notre Dame at 10, and I think what I think about Notre Dame is scheduling. It's very good to be independent because really they're not because they really pretty much play the same teams on and off. And so the flexibility that I think an independent team would have, They don't because they're locked into rival games, which is fine. But, you know, they do play a very good Virginia team that we talked about very early on. They play a very good Virginia Tech team. And, you know, they got Duke and they got... Yeah, so... Those are winnable games. But I'd also keep my eye out on that Virginia game. And that's just me. And at number nine, I have... LSU. LSU, I have going 10-2 or 9-3. And And their 50-50 game to me is Alabama. Let me tell you what I like about LSU. They got offense in the bayou now. They're not just about defense. You know, Joe Burrow, 16 touchdowns. And you know, his wide receiver, Jefferson, 54 catches, 815 yards. They've gotten better. They can throw the ball. In the SEC, you really don't think quarterbacks. There are a lot of good quarterbacks. We're going to talk about them as they come. But Joe Burrow was definitely one of them. But one of my things that I look at is that they couldn't sack the quarterback. Their leading sack leader was the safety, Grant Delpit. He had five sacks. That's what concerns me. They're not generating enough pressure on the edge. There's talent now. But they got to get to the quarterback. And that's a concern that I have. And the thing is, is that they have the sixth toughest schedule in the country. Listen, they got to go at Texas. They got to face Florida. They got Auburn. Texas AM. They got to go at Alabama. Look, people always knock the SEC for not playing a tough schedule. But listen, literally every team that I just read to you is a top 25 team. I could argue they're in my list, top 15 teams if you take, take out Auburn. So, they play tough schedule. So, having them at 9, and having it, you know, it's because they play a tough schedule. It's not because they're, it's not because they are They have no gimmie. Like, they have, listen, they play Georgia Southern. You know, they got, you know, Northwestern State. You know, they go at Bandy, You know, they got Utah State. You know, there's a lot of gimmie in it. But a lot of those games, listen... Going at Alabama than at Texas. And you got to play Texas the first week of the season. So right out the gate, we'll know how good this LSU team is. And the thing is that, you know, I think Arkansas, once again, games at the end of the year become very tricky because they're beating up at that point. So that Arkansas game scares me. Not because I think Arkansas sets the world on fire, but I think at the end of the year, good teams slow down. And in the back end of the schedule, they're like, okay, LSU is going to be tired and beaten up. By that point, they would have played everybody I just mentioned. So, but the one other thing that gets me is that it's Ed Ogeron, a top five coach in the SEC. Listen, we're going—you know—we know about Nick Saban, you know—we know how great he is, you know. But is Ed Ogeron a top five coach? Here's the thing: he was ten and twenty-five at Ole Miss. You know, and I want to thank you know twenty four seven sports and Brad Crawford from there for that great stat ten and twenty five at Ole Miss. He was ten and twenty five, and that concerns me. Listen, he's got talent, and listen, Big O came in there and turned around this program. But that's a very big concern of mine. Can Ed Oldron elevate this program to win a national championship? Because that's the guy that they ran out of town. Les Miles did. Anything short, I believe, of a national championship in the next three years at LSU, I think that Les Miles firing was a mistake. And so, I think the problem was at the end of the day, you know, Les Miles didn't win the games he had to do so I understand, but he gave him a national championship and he didn't have a quarterback. Now they do. So imagine if Les Miles had a quarterback and an offense, because we know great as so, that's number nine. And number eight, we head to the Big 12 at Oklahoma. <sighs> listen, 11-1, I think it run the gamut. And before people say, well, you haven't run the gamut, why don't you have them higher? It's simple. The Big 12, listen, we talk about depth, and I talked about this. We talked about how deep your conference is, the talent. The Big 12, outside of who I mentioned last week, Texas, And you have obviously Oklahoma because look, the Big 12 teams that I have right now Iowa State, Texas. You know, that's it. That's how I feel about the Big 12. And the thing is, I don't really see them. And they play, listen, they play both Iowa State. And they play Texas. So my concern is when it comes to the day twelve is how deep is your conference? That's why I talk with the SEC. Listen, we know it's Alabama heavy, but look, I'm gonna mention at least one more SEC school on here. And listen, how deep? And listen, how many SEC schools have have I mentioned on here? Missouri, Auburn, Texas A&M. Listen, and I have them ranked all above Iowa State. So, my point is that how deep your conference is matters. But, listen, Oklahoma, they got Jalen Hurts. And Alabama, he accounted for over 7,600 yards of offense. Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback. I'm not saying he's no Kyler Murray or no Baker Mayfield. But he, you know, passing is a concern. But once again, the same situation I felt would happen with, you know, similar to what happened with Kind of like Brandon Wimbush, who's now at, you know, at UCF, as I mentioned, listen, got beat out by a, a better quarterback, like Ian Book at Notre Dame and Jalen Hurts, you know. So, you know, that part, you know, and that's what happened to Jalen Hurts at Alabama with Tua. So we know their talents, but they moved on. And listen, they got great running backs there. So, you know, the running backs, you know, they're deep at the running back position. So I trust that position. But once again, folks, the defense is still bad. They were last in the Big 12 and opposing points per game. At, they gave up 33 points a game. And they were 111. 111 in pass. They were in pass defensively. Defensible. Because here's the thing. They gave up 160 yards per game. And listen, and they gave up six yards a snap. They give up a lot of yards a snap. So that's why, listen, this is why I don't have teams higher. It's things like that. It's not to say, oh, oh, but no. Listen, they couldn't listen, nobody in the Big 12. I tell people, name the best defense in the Big 12. It's not Oklahoma. Possibly Texas. But here's the thing. I think Oklahoma's offense is better than Texas offense. Because, listen, Oklahoma can win a shootout. They can win. They can outscore you. I don't think Texas offense is there yet to outscore anybody. Because I think Oklahoma can run ramp shot between, all over Texas defense. But Texas offense is not explosive enough. Because of uh, Sam Ellinger, his health is important Can't, to, to do the same thing. Oklahoma's terrible defense. That's why I have Oklahoma higher than Texas. At number eight, at number seven, I have the Ohio State. I have the Big Ten, listen, eleven and one or ten and two. Listen, replacing Urban Meyer, it's not great. When when you're replacing a great coach, it's tough because listen, imagine being the guy who replaces the guy. You know, I'm gonna use college basketball here. Mike Davis replaced. Bobby Knight is the head coach of Indiana. Could never escape that chatter. Because, listen, they're going to compare you to the guy who you replaced. And Urban Meyer at a school that we're going to talk about shortly, listen, the, his replacement, listen, not quite. And I'll get to that when we get there. So, Ryan Day has his work cut out for him. But here's the thing. they got to replace Dwayne Haskell. And they got Justin Fields to transfer from Georgia. Dwayne Haskins led, was in the top 10 in pretty much any stat related to the quarterback position. Pass efficiency, touchdown pass. Efficiency. Touchdowns accounted for. Dwayne Haskins, that's why I said, coming out of school, Dwayne Haskins was better than Daniel Jones. Because I'm like folks. First of all, he played better, you know, the Big Ten was better defense than the ACC. Outside of Clemson, you know, and maybe Virginia maybe Miami defenses in the ACC aren't that great in the Big Ten you're playing Michigan, Michigan so there's great defenses there so that's why I said Dwayne Haskins was going to be in the better quarterback and listen they got Chase Hill in the defensive end he was second in the Big Ten with 10 sacks 14 tackles for loss. so defensively you know people think well they got no Nick Bosa you know after he got hurt he didn't come back So, there's talent on this Ohio State team. My concern is that simply put, they still got to play Michigan. And and when we talk about Michigan, we're going to get there. Hint, hint, they're a top five team. So, (laughs) spoiler. But will it be a new day? Ryan, once again, replacing Urban Meyer is no easy task. Listen, you can't replace a guy who I always felt was the second best college football coach in the country behind Nick Saban. You know, I have a lot of respect, not because he coached my Gators, but he everywhere he went, he won. Was it Bowling Green? He went to Utah. Came to Florida and Ohio State. He won everywhere. He won two he won national championships at two different schools. And he elevated every single program he went to. Look at Utah after he left. It got better. And that's And people say, oh, that's not good. No. Kyle winning it. Listen. It got better because of what Urban Meyer installed there. And Florida, uh, we'll get to that, but Ohio State can Ryan Day elevate and keep sustain that. So that's number seven. And number six, of course, listen, I got my Florida Gators. Look, eleven and one, and ten and two. And listen, and f- as I said for Ohio State, listen, Ohio Ohio State's 50-50 game is at Michigan State. That's a game that concerns me. But going back to Florida, listen, can they beat LSU? That's their 50-50 game. But listen, I'm going to come out the gate and say about my games. Listen, I question the offensive line. There's some issues there. I get it. You know, you know, during spring ball. You know, I get that. But listen, I believe in Felipe Franks. Listen, I'll be the first guy to say I wasn't his biggest fan, but he's gotten better. He was responsible for 31 touchdowns, 24 in the air, 7 on the ground. I believe in Felipe Franks. He's the top. He could be the top. He could probably end up being the second or third best quarterback in the SEC by the end of this season. You got seven starters back on defense that allow 20 points a game. You got David Reese. So you got Todd Grant, the defensive coordinator, still there. So I trust the defense. And Listen, but you got to beat Georgia. Mullen is 1-2 versus Georgia. And Florida hasn't lost three straight games in this series since... The infamous, the infamous Will Muschamp era. So that was 2011-2013. to 23. So they got to beat Georgia. Because honestly, the only game that I have them losing is Georgia. I think they can... And they're playing LSU. They gotta go. to go at LSU, at South Carolina. They got to go at Missouri. So unless a very good Tennessee team. So, listen, once again, the SEC schedule, listen, Florida has the 10th hardest schedule in the country, according to Phil Steele. Phil Steele knows college football. So, listen, if I told you that, as I said earlier, LSU plays the sixth up schedule in the country, according to Phil still Phil Steele says that, listen, Florida plays the top 10 schedule. So, this is why I, I think they can beat those teams, and that's what they're going to be playing in January. So, so to recap, 10 Notre Dame, 9 LSU, 8 Oklahoma, 7 Ohio State, 6 Florida. And so coming up, the big final, the, to me, the five best teams in the country coming up this season. And coming up next, it's time for the America's Catching His Game, Pay or Not Pay, Dak Prescott. And that's next here on Sports and the World Football Edition. And welcome back into Sports and the World Football Edition. And if you're listening to us through Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, I truly do appreciate it. Also, social media at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram, Facebook pages up. In Sports and the World, you can go there to the About tab and listen in to not only this episode but every episode. Of sports in the world football edition and as well on Friday's so I want to get into Dak Prescott this is the thing that I say about the quarterback position before I delve into these stats and the things that have taken place it's the most important position in any sport it's a leadership position there's a point in time where you could get by with an average quarterback to win championships but with the advent and the way the NFL is basically saying we're trying to protect your quarterback, we're gonna, you gotta make it about the quarterback. So with that, there was a report that came out recently. It came out Monday that Prescott reportedly turned down a $30 million a year offer, seeking $40 million a year. And that was per NFL Network's Jane Slater. But however, a source familiar with the negotiations told USA Today Sports jury Epstein that his reps aren't asking for 40 million a year. And also per Slater, it might it may be negotiating tactics. If a deal gets done, that number will likely be closer to 34 $35 million annually. And all that great information also came from Charlotte Carroll of Sports Illustrated. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you right now. Dak Prescott's not worth $40 million. And I'm going to tell you why. When you read about the highest paid quarterbacks in the league right now. The top five. Russell Wilson with extension. He makes $35 million a year. Big Ben. He makes $34 million. Aaron Rodgers makes $33.5 million a year. Carson Wentz $32 million. My guy Matty Ice. Matt Ryan. He makes $30 million a year. So. As I did with uh, Zeke Elliott last week. Where do we pay Dak Prescott? Because you got to pay him maybe. There's a scenario where Dallas may, and I'll get to that when it gets there. So, you know, listen, Russell Wilson, he he got four years, 140. Big Ben got two because he's 37. Aaron had four years, so did Carson Wentz, Matty Ice got five. You know, Blair Shift from Fox Business came out with the story last week with those numbers. And the thing is, you're asking me to pay Dak Prescott between 30 and 35 million. That's the barometer. Same thing I did with Zeke. I did the same thing with Zeke. You pay the 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 top the bottom five down the top five and the top guy. You gotta pay him someone if you do pay him. So what I what I did was I did the same thing. I used the 5 important stats at the position. So I used wins, playoff wins, touchdown passes, passing yards, interceptions, average it out. And the only one where Dak Prescott has the most of is wins. Listen, he's he's 32. He won 32 football games. I'm not going to take that away from him. he, He won in his three seasons. And you know, I'm basing these stats with the last three seasons of these quarterbacks because Dak Prescott, up to points, played three seasons. You know, Russell Wilson had 29, he finished third, Big Ben second most at 31. Aaron Rodgers had the sixth most at 20. Carson Woods had 23 at fifth most, and Matt Ryan 28. And so, mind you, when you think of Aaron and Carson, listen, they were hurt for a season, and it really kind of damaged their win total. So Playoff wins out of these dudes, Matt Ryan, my guy gets a lot of. well we got to paint. Let's get the most playoff wins. He has three. Dak and Russell Wilson both have one. Carson Wentz doesn't have a playoff win. Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers both have two, and that's in the last three seasons. Touchdown passes, Matt Ryan, deep. You know, excuse me, Dak, six most. At 67. The second most. You know the second most belonged to Big Ben. He threw 91. The last three seasons. And. Listen the only stat that. Dak could argue. Is listen he threw the second fuse interceptions. At 25. Yeah that Aaron Rodgers threw the fuse at 15. So. When you average that all the stat, listen, Dak was first in wins, tied for third in playoff wins. He was sixth in passing touchdowns, fourth in passing yards, second intercept. You average that out. Came up to a 3.2 and a half, out to the third best ranked on this list. You know who the, you know who the best at the average came out to be? Matt Ryan. Because the only stat where he wasn't in the, listen, his worst stat was wins. That was 28. And the Falcons said, listen, that last year really damaged that. And we'll probably get to that when you know later on when we talk about the you know my Atlanta Falcons. But simply put, you know, here's the thing about Dak. You could sign him to an Aaron Rodgers S deal 32 to 33 and a half million. Because right now, because he was the third best quarterback, who's the third highest paid quarterback, and Rogers. So I say you pay him between 32 to thirty. Listen, listen, you pay for wins. Listen, he won football game, even though he gave you one playoff win. So I understand that. Listen, for those who say he's not a 30 minute quarterback, I say, in, you know, the position because you can't go out and find another quarterback like that. Listen, I may not be impressed with a lot of what Dak does, you know, vertically throwing the ball, but he wins football game, and That's the job of the quarterback. You know, it, you know the only wins and losses that matter in the NFL is the coaches and quarterbacks. No one's gonna ask, well, how many games did that receiver lose? They not have a record. Was the offensive line or was the defensive line. No, it's the coach and the quarterback. So wins matter for the quarterback position. Listen. Over the last three seasons, Dak has thrown sixty-seven touchdowns, and that's in the last three years. Matt Ryan, listen, Julio Jones, that helped. But Russell Wilson, who's he throwing the ball to? Doug Baldwin? His best receiver who had to, unfortunately, you know, retire for the injury? Kyler Lockett? He had 90 touchdown passes with no weapons. Big Ben had A.B. He had Juju Juju Smith-Schuster. So, I, I get that. But Russell Wilson did not have a legit, solid number one receiver. He had the third most between these six guys on this list. And listen, Dak finished fourth ahead. And listen, Russell Wilson and Big Ben finished ahead of him. And also Matt Ryan. Interceptions, listen, he's very efficient. To me, the downside of Big Ben and Russell, they throw a lot of interceptions. So, that's fine. But, listen. Listen. I, listen, based on this list, Matt Ryan, Big Ben, then Dak, the three best quarterbacks the last three seasons. Matt Ryan won an MVP. So, and listen, every dude on this list except Dak Prescott, you know, t- you know, and Carson Wentz, they have went to the Super Bowl, or they won a, uh, well, they won a Super Bowl. So, two thirds of this list have played in the Super Bowl. If you take away Carson Wentz. His numbers will tell you that, listen, Dak Prescott, the sky's the limit. But what I will say is this. You got to pay him or you consider using Zeke as trade bait to get a quarterback. Because if Zeke is, listen, if you're not high on Zeke like I am, you want to trade him. Because listen, I'm higher on Zeke than I am Dak. You pay the quarterback because, listen, you see how much money Kirk Cousins is getting and we're going to talk about him. If that dude, he's the sixth highest paid quarterback. So if that dude gets paid and Dak doesn't, look, listen, I'm gonna tell you like this: the perception is not always the reality with Kirk Cousins. When I'll get to that, but the point is you got to pay, you got to pay him because on the basis of his wins and he doesn't turn over the football, he doesn't turn over the football. He has the second fewest interception in the last three seasons between Wilson, Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan. So. You have to pay him on the basis of that, and Cowboys fans understand. Look, listen. I know you don't want to give him thirty million, but you got to give. Him. But listen, forty million dollars. You're telling me that he's better than Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson is better than him. The only stat that Russell Wilson is not better than Dak Prescott in is wins. They both had the same amount of playoff wins the last three seasons. He's thrown. 90 touchdowns has Russell Wilson to Dak 67. He's thrown about 200 he threw 226 more. No, excuse me, more than that. He's thrown more passing yards than Dak Prescott. And you can get him on interceptions. Listen, in every physical category, they're about the same dude. But listen, Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl. That's the reality. Can, the question is can Dak Get the Cowboys to, to the Super Bowl That's the, all going to be the penultimate question Because look If you're not If you don't believe Dak is your quarterback I ask Cowboy fans who can you get In free agency Or who can you draft Listen, the, the, the draft class for 2020 potentially quarterback class That'd be great You know Justin Herbert Tua possibly If you feel you can get one of those dudes then fine You trade Zach you trade Dak or you let Dak walk or like I said use Zeke as trade bait if you don't want to pay him because you're going to have to pay him at least $30 million. $40 million, I, you cannot get me sold on paying him more a year than Russell Wilson Hell, listen, and I do believe Listen, if Kirk Cousins is a top 6 paid quarterback, then Dak should be somewhere in the top 5 I would have no problem him making like I said 32, 33 and a half, right there, third slot where he's averaged out. Right there, snuggled kind of between Carson Wentz Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't bother me. You know, even more than Matt Ryan, that doesn't bother me. Because youth and efficiency matter, and Dak's been efficient the last three seasons. So I understand. But to wrap it up, listen. You know, here's the thing. They, those great numbers came from pro football reference. Showed you that look. Dak can win you games but he, he doesn't turn over the ball but listen he hasn't won, he hasn't won one playoff game he hit the same amount of playoff wins in three seasons than Russell Wilson who just got who was the highest paid player so uh, that simply put so my question to Cowboys fans That look, can you replace Dak and Dak understands that are you really worth $40 million to million? but you gotta pay him and what I got to do, I'm going to pay you back with my LFL report. And that's next here on Sports and the World Football Edition. And welcome back into Sports and the World Football Edition. And social media one more time. It's at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. And the Facebook page is up. Sports in the world. The about tab, you can listen to every episode. I post content on there as well. So check that out as well. And feedback as well. I want to get into this. When it comes to playoff time, whether it's the NFL, college football, I love playoff time. Because it's, a, it's like a second season. And I've been high on a lot of teams. You know, I've been high on the acoustic. I've been, you know, I've been high on the mist. But there's two teams I've been super high on. I want to talk about one of them. And it's the Atlanta Steam. And those two teams played, you know, last Saturday. And let me tell you, you know, the Steam did what they had to do. Winning 50 to 14 And look. From the very beginning, they steamrolled their heart from the beginning and Omaha fell flat when I saw Lauren Crouch fall on her shoulder and she broke her collarbone and I, I talked about it on Instagram that was tough to watch because she's one hell of a talent so was you know Alfie Gore got hurt that game talented talented football player and but Omaha Heart, they have a bright future and you know whether that Dante Allen and Kale Good are back I don't know but you know but you know so it's a great story I think they're going to be even better next year but the cardiac kid Dakota Hughes like I said you haven't talked about her a lot listen she played well 6 to 14 110 yards 3 touchdowns here's the thing and I keep I keep saying this ad nauseum is that Dakota Hughes reminds me so much of Matt Ryan. If you take away the MVP that Matt, if you take away that, it, the quarterbacks, they put up great numbers, great talent around them. I think Dakota Hughes and Lauren Ziegler, that's Matty Ice and Julio Jims all day. And But the thing is that in the quarterback position defined by championship, and, and I do believe that and I hope that both of them win, their, win a championship to solidify how great they are because we knew what it was like when Steve Young won his Super Bowl got that money you saw him on the sideline someone took the monkey off his back and that's their Hall you know they have Hall of Fame careers on the pace that they're going and a championship would define Dakota Hughes is one of the keys to that and Lauren Ziegler is healthy and I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get an interview with Lauren you know talk to her next week to put on the to put on the to put on next week because I love I've known her 20 years she's the best athlete I've ever seen male or female she's one of the best people I've known male or female she's one of the best human beings I've ever met she touched lives her attitude her positivity it's infectious and I love Lauren at a personal level and you get that same respect when in the LFL. That's why she's a Hall of Famer. She's respected on and off the field. And that's very important. My thing is, can the steam get past that hump? Listen, can they get they get into the playoffs? And all eyes are set on them possibly playing the Seattle myth. Can you get to that next level? Can you be the team that essentially that roster has been there, done that? Can you get over that hump? And I believe that, listen, we'll, and I'm going to give my playoff preview next week, hopefully with the Lauren Ziegler interview in there as well. But another game that has some playoff potential, it's Nicole Peterson and the Austin Acoustic, which is Bree Mosley and the National Knights. And you can watch that on the LFL YouTube channel in 4K and HD at 8 p.m. Saturday, August 17th, and that's the season finale. It's week 16. So, watch and see how that plays out. But I also want to talk about these LFL awards. And, you know, they're going to be coming out, and some may come out, and I may talk about it next week as well. Because it's going to be playoff preview week next week. Because with the playoffs two weeks away. Uh, You know, they had the Offensive Player of the Year nominees released. Mariah Lopez of The Temptation, Cassandra Bills The Austin Acoustic, Christelle Ferrari-Harris, Austin Acoustic, and Stevie the Bull Schnorr from Seattle. And this is a tough category for me. It's like to me when you put, like in the Oscars, where you look at the category like, man, it's super tough to pick. Because this is the one category where I can say, I really have to think about. Now, the next category I'm gonna read wasn't that hard, but this one, because quite frankly, when you play for the same team, it kind of knocks each other out. Because then you try to, then you have to question whether the running game or the passing game was more valuable for Austin Kuster. And you could argue both were equal to the success. So that left me with Mariah Lopez and Stevie Schnorr. And I tell people, listen, I've given a choice. I picked stevie Schnorr because listen i think she did not get enough credit and i think that and don't no knock on Mariah lopez if Mariah lopez or stevie Schnorr, i'm i'm fine with that if any of these women win it i'm fine with it but to see Stevie, excuse me to see the bull win would be awesome because i think you know when she's you know great runner great athlete and i think if, on that miss team they really had to run the ball when KK wasn't, you know, at her best, which was very rare, Stevie Schnoor took over games. And I think that's why this year, I think that what kind of let me over Mariah Lopez, is that, you know, Stevie Schnoor kind of took over games. And so that's, he gets the nod there, in my eyes. And the In the Trenches Award for best, and, you know, for best lineman, offensive defense, they had Lauren J, the Omaha Heart, Dina Wajowski, Atlanta Steam. Lindsey Burth the Omaha Hard, and Brittany Dowdy of the Austin Acoustic. This to me was a no-brainer. It was Lindsey Burth. When you lead the LFL in sacks over Brittany Dowdy, you know, that Omaha Hard team, I thought one of the reasons why we talk about Lauren Crouch, talk about Annie Anna Garza, but Lindsay Burth did not get a lot of love. And I think she, lead, she led the LFL in sacks. I love the way she plays. I think she's this omaha like i said i'm very high on this team i love the way she plays period she was able to get to the quarterback and that omaha hard defense is only going to get better because like i say what they do in the offseason if i'm looking at big off lfl offseason stories is do they retain that coaching staff because that to me would let me know okay we trust the process you've heard that before or are they going to go in another route? I hope they give it a shot. Listen, I don't I, I don't own the team, so we'll leave it there. But with that being said, you know, I like Stevie Schnorr to be the Seattle Mist to win L you know, LFL Offensive Player of the Year, and Lindsey Burst to win to win the in the trenches award. And for the Hall of Fame, you have a lot of great candidates. Yeah. Boy. I said it on the LFL football page. Listen, that might be a loaded class because you could have Keith Hack, you could have Danica Breaks, you could have KK Mathe you could have Stevie Schnell, Folks, I would wanna be Mitch Morton because you know it'd be hard to put in just one. Like Lay's Potato Chips, it's hard to eat just one, it'd be hard to pick just one. And so it might be a loaded class and I'll, I'll be looking forward to that as well, who gets that call. But what I'm looking forward to and hopefully you guys are looking forward to is the NFL top team, 20 through 13, and that's next here on Sports and the World. And welcome back into the final segment here of Sports and the World Football Edition. And if you stayed with us this long, I truly do appreciate it. Social media real fast is at SportsTheWorld on both Twitter and Instagram. Facebook page at SportsTheWorld or just SportsTheWorld. Check out all the content I post there. it would be fantastic. Interac- I'll interact with you guys. There's a voice link if you click the link on the About tab. Leave a message here on the podcast that may play it good, bad, or indifferent. So with that, I want to get right into this list 20 through 13, starting at number 20, the San Francisco 49ers. Listen, we do the five words here. listen, Jimmy is the linchpin. Here's the thing: I love the duel of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. I absolutely love it because you have two people who are not only well respected at what they do. John Lynch is a great football mind, and Kyle Shanahan is a great offensive mind. But he's also a great head coach, and he knows what he wants. And he and he structured it that way with the draft and through free agency by getting you know listen they drafted Nick Bosa. They signed D. Four. They got Quan Alexander from the Tampa Bay. They want to got Tevin Coleman from my Falcon and drafted Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. And that's to add to the talent they have: DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and Solomon Thomas, all early round picks. So this team is loaded on talent. And speaking of talent, Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's healthy, that's a top ten quarterback in this league. And I know people are going to say, "Oh, well, you know, listen." that sample size, I said that's why they trade, that's why San Francisco went out and got it and gave up. Listen, a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, that ended up being one of the biggest steals in in trade history. If Jimmy G turns out to be the quote that I think he is, that Kyle Shanahan thinks he can be, and what the and some many around the league think. So those are the strengths. But here's some of the things. They're secondary. We all know how great all-pro corner Richard Sherman is. Jason Verrett, also a pro bowler, all pro. Can he stay healthy? And Jimmy Ward, very good str- free safety. Can he be healthy? Also, the offensive line. Listen, you went and got Western Witchburg from the New York Giants. Can he be healthy? There's injuries to him, and that's and that's important to me. And are they contenders in the NFC West? Listen, when you got teams like Seattle and the Rams right now, those teams are better than them. Not because of, all oh, the Rod, but it's, you know, longevity, structure, and time. You know, in longevity, you know, veteran players and the time that they're together. And I think they can overtake one of these teams when we get to those teams later on. I'll talk about it. But that's number 20, the San Francisco 49ers. And number 19, I got the Minnesota Vikings. Five words, go get Uncle Rico, please. Full discretion, when I get to Kirk Cousins, I'm going all in, Minnesota fans. But here's what I love about Minnesota. Listen, great defense, fourth in total defense last season, third versus the pass. Listen, this defense is talented. Listen, and I'm going to talk about one of their great defensive players in a minute. But listen, you get, and you have Adam Thielen tied for fourth in, in reception, ninth in receiving yards, tied for tenth in touchdown. Listen, I just have, and then you throw it with Stephon Diggs, and then you got Dalvin Cook. That's a talented offense. And I like Danielle Hunter on the defensive end He was tied for fourth in sacks, second in tackles for laws, and he's a pro bowler. Listen, I have no qualms about this defense And Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and Dalvin Cook. I don't have but here's where we get to the problem. And you know, it all circles around one dude, Kirk Cousins. He's the Russell Westbrook of the NFL. Let me explain. He's 10th in passer rating, he's tenth in yards. He's ninth in passing touchdown. He was second in completion percentage. Listen, last season. The dude is in the top 10 in a lot of important stats. If he's a top 10 quarterback, why in the world are the Minnesota Vikings struggling over that hump? Here's why. He's 34, 37, and 2 as a starter. But you gotta, you know, dig deeper. Six and thirteen in prime time games, he is. 8 and 25 versus winning teams. He's 13, 22 and 2 on the road. Excuse me, 3 and 23 and 2 on the road. That's Kirk Cousins' career. He cannot win when it counts. He can't beat winning teams. He can't win when the lights are on. And he can't win away from where he's at. Listen. We all jumped on Tony Romo. But Tony Romo, listen, we put on the lights, we said the same thing. But the difference between Tony Romo and Kirk Cousins is that, listen, Tony Romo performed a heck of a lot better when it counted. More times than Kirk Cousins. Listen, you look at his stats, he's Russell Westbrook. Listen, there'd be a lot of games where they're up big or they're down big, so of course he gets the dink and dunk passes and he gets the yardage. That's Russell Westbrook. Stat padding. And this guy and when we, what I talked about with Dak Prescott. Oh by the way, he's the 6th highest paid quarterback in the league. 34 37 and 2. 6 and 13 prime time. 18 25 his winning team. 13, 23 and 2 on the road. That's Kirk Cousins. The offensive line, listen, they're in the about the middle of the pack. Last season allowed. They got Garrett Bradbury, which would be an improvement at center. Listen, it's Once again, Mike Zimmer. This revolves around Kirk Cousins. You got Kevin Stefniski. He's a first-time offensive coordinator. Listen, John Filippo. he went to Jacksonville. You got to fix this. And I love Mike Zimmer, and I love the defense, and I love what he's brought here. But here's the problem. Your job is attached to Kirk Cousins. Listen, why do you think Jay Gruden let him walk? Because they weren't going to pay him that kind of money. And listen, and even though, and that's saying lot. now you look back in hindsight, like, man, they could maybe use a Kirk Cousins. But even Jay Gruden said, I can't do it. I'm not going to, we're not going to pay him. And maybe Washington's suffering for it. But listen, if they didn't want to pay him, and that offense is... Sh- and you've got Adam Thielen, you got Stephon Diggs, you got Dalvin Cook, and you still can't win. That's all on Kirk Cousins. And listen, they're tied to that contract. So if Kevin Steph, listen, if Kevin Stefanski cannot fix Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer has to pay for it with his job. And I, do I think it's fair? Absolutely not. But we've seen where if you, you listen, that quarterback coach relationship. If it ain't working out, you know, coach is gonna go because you can't, you can't exactly cut a guy who you're paying $20, $25 million dollars to a year. So that's Minnesota number nineteen, number eighteen, the Buffalo Bills and the AFCs. Five words: big bills and agency. Listen, they went out and added to that old line. Mitch Morse is in concussion protocol. Ty Nitschke, the tackle. So they addressed the offensive line. Now look, they're defensively sound under Sean McDermott. They're second and point allowed last season. And then you go and add Ed Oliver. The Hog Molly from Houston. Great, that's a that's a value pick. Okay. I'm not saying this guy's the next Bruce Smith. I'm not gonna I'm not big on hyperbole. But that's a great variant. I love that pick. And that wide receiving core, listen, you add in Zay Jones and you know they added John Brown and Cole Beasley. Listen, and that running back, they got Frank Horn, TJ Elder, and now they got... You know, here's the thing. This team is being built the right way. Meaning that they're defensively sound, and basically, they got great receivers. Not good, but they, got, they got, you know, not, you know, average to above average receivers. And they got great talent in the backfield. But listen, too many penalties last year. They were sixth in penalties. And then they were fifth and penalty yards. That's discipline. That structure. They shot themselves in the foot a lot. And listen, Josh Allen, if he can't take the next step, I put it as a weakness because I listen. What I've seen, he has the potential to be the third best quarterback to come out of that 2018 draft, behind Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. In that order, I don't shift from that order. I don't shift. And I'll get to why I feel why I feel about Baker. In a minute, you know, or when we get there, I should say. But here's the thing: it's the quarterback position, and I, and that seems to be the theme of this football podcast is quarterback position. And listen, they got to beat the Jets week one because these are the two best teams, not named New England. Listen, in Miami, that's a rebuild. Okay, that's bad new Bad news bears type stuff that's going to go on. So listen, I believe the Jets and the Bills have the potential to overtake New England. And listen, the, I, the only reason why I put Buffalo higher on this list is because I really, really do like their defense, and they and they drafted. At listen, it's really to me either one of these teams could be a sleeper team, but to me, I had the Jets lower because of Adam Gates, because coaching matter. I think Sean McDermott is a better coach. Than Adam Gates. And I and you look at episode, you and you'll hear why I feel that way. So that's the Buffalo Bills at 18, number 17, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Five words for them in the nick of time. They listen, getting Nick Foles, that's better than Blake Bortles. And then you get John D. who I talked about earlier from Minnesota. Look, Blake Bortles. I, I told people. People like, oh, you hired him because he went to UCF. Listen, I told you guys if you couldn't figure it out in three years dump it because the problem is is that you draft him because he's great size we get caught up in that he's a great size he has a great arm but he was terrible three years and he couldn't figure it out I hope he does well I believe he's with the Rams I hope he does well backing up Jared Goff all the power to him but Nick Foles is the clear upgrade and he got paid Listen, on draft day, they got Josh Allen, defensive end, from Kentucky. Absolutely love it. Could be one of the better picks this year's draft. I really, really do love it. Listen, you get Juwan Taylor, Gator, in the second round, you get Josh Oliver in the later round as well. Listen, in the tight end position. Listen, Jacksonville, they understand, they address their needs. Listen, a younger defensive end. A kind of another bookend for Yannick... You know, another bookend. They need to help the offensive line. They went and got a weapon, and a tight end. And then, listen... A healthy Leonard Fournette... Listen, he led the team in rushing. He only played eight games. So, you wonder why they were bad? Because they couldn't run the ball... And Blake Borders was terrible. That's all you need to know. Listen... Here's the thing about Jacksonville. They punt the ball too much. You know, listen... They, Listen, and that and listen, not having Leonard Fournette, that really hurt them, and I get that. Wide receiving court. they were twenty-six in receiving war, yards, and the D.D. Westbrook and who else? Austin Safaris Jenkins. You know, at some point, we got to realize is that they let a, you know they got to get a wide. And that's you know, listen, they have had a great receiving core since Keenan McCardell and Jimmy Smith, and I don't feel that hyperbole. That's fact. And I can show you statistics. If you wanna what's it leave a voice? I can, I can prove it to you. Listen, Doug Morone, look, one playoff appearance, that was in and that was in 2017, they got the AFC Championship game. That was his one playoff appearance in five seasons. And listen, he needs eight wins to keep his job. And if I have time, I'll do my coaching on the hot seat. If you want me to do that. He, he's on that list. I'm not gonna tell you where, but to me. You you know, if you're not improving, you let him go. Because it's not like situations situation like I mentioned with Jim Harlow. Jim Harlow was not fired because he was terrible. He was fired because he clashed with management. And Doug Maroon has not clashed with Tom Coughlin. But Tom Coughlin has to understand that you were brought in to win football games. And Shad Khan wants to win football games in Jacksonville. Is Doug Marone that guy? Is he that guy? When potentially you maybe could have got Mike McCarthy, maybe maybe not, but the question becomes: If Doug Marrone can't win a game, then we gotta start looking at Doug Marrone. And that's Jacksonville. I have at 17. So t- number 20, San Francisco 49ers. Number 19, the Minnesota Vikings. Number 18, the Buffalo Bills. Jacksonville Jag- Jaguars at 17. And going to number 16, I got the Baltimore Ravens. Five words for them. Is this Harbaugh's last stand? Look, I love their running game. They were first in first downs via the rush. Lamar Jackson had 695 yards rushing. I absolutely love, listen, they can run the ball. John Harbaugh? Listen, one losing season in 11 years. Since he took the job in 08, 10 playoff wins. That's second to New England. 16. Here's the thing. NFL best, seven of those 10 wins were on the road. It's a playoff-tested team. That's a testament to John Harbaugh. Listen, you want to strengthen this? No Joe Flacco, folks. He declined in touchdown passes, passing yards, and completion complete percentage to last their season. That's why they went and got Lamar Jackson. That's why Ozzie Newsom, when he walked out the door, got them a quarterback. Because he knew. This, listen, this is the same dude who drafted. Ozzie Newsom drafted Joe Flacco, and, and he knew at some point, A, Flacco was getting older, and B, he saw the decline. Getting, couldn't stay healthy you know, it declined. And then listen, this is, listen, it's Lamar Jackson's team at quarterback. But you know, here's here's the weaknesses that I think for Baltimore is that simply put, you lose Terrell Suggs or Darius Smith or C.J. Mosley, that defense is kind of, you got to kind of rebuild that defense. In a, in a defense where you have, you know, potentially great offenses and you got to figure out that defense. And the potential regression, I think, you banking on Lamar Jackson. I just told you, I love Lamar Jackson. But when you bank on a quarterback who does what he does, if he can have, I'm not saying this dude become the next Peyton Manning. I'm not saying this dude becomes Joe Flacco-like. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that teams will figure this out the same way they figured out Michael Vick. My guy, they figured out Tim Tebow. Listen, I'm not saying he's any of those dudes, but they figure it out. Okay, this dude runs will put eight in the box because he can't throw the ball. And listen, that could be the regression. This defense, it's, I don't consider regression, that's kind of rebuilding, if they, that defense can play at a high level. But here's the thing, I need to see potential progression because I think there's potential regression, now they have tape on it. Anytime you have tape, and that's, I'll talk about Baker, listen, we'll, go, we'll get to that when we get there. But that's the, that's the thing that I see. So Baltimore is 16, number 15 I got the Seattle Seahawks, simply put Boy, they could use the 12th man Specifically I'll tell you where Listen, they. this is finally Russell Wilson's team For a lot of his years there, it's been the Legion of Boom Listen, they paid him, they gave him, listen, I told you earlier Got that four year $140 million, this is his team I read you his stats I'm like, yeah, you know, you get, you know, listen, it got overlooked because of how great that defense was. But the last three seasons where I read you, that's Russell Wilson. He had no receiving core. Offensive line, huh, and that's, the, he didn't have a running game until last year. So, let's think about that. And they were a smart team. Listen, they 11 turnovers, that's the best in the NFL. And they were seven interceptions, they were tied for the second fewest. That's Russell Wilson. That's the, listen. That's the type of dude, listen. They're a smart football team. They're not gonna. They're not gonna hurt themselves. And last year they didn't. And also, I trust Pete Carroll. I trust Russell Westbrook the same way I talked about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. I trust this duo. Why? Simply put, double digit win seasons all but 2017. Ever since they've been together, nothing but double digit wins. So that to me, I like that duo. But here's some of the things. Listen, you gotta replace Frank Clark, 13 sacks, 27 quarterback hits, and 10 tackles for loss. That defense is rebuilding. You got, you got the Griffin brothers there. I think they'll figure it out there. And can they beat the Rams? Listen, they were three, their, three and three in their division last year. They were 0-2 against the Rams, and they lost by a total of seven points. And listen, this Seattle team, this is why I talked about with San Francisco. San Francisco can overtake them because listen I do believe that not because I think Garoppolo is better than Wilson I do believe when I look at San Francisco if that talent plays up and especially defensively that's a better defense than Seattle now because those dudes play together just figuring it out and so that's Seattle Seahawks at 15 number 14 I got the Houston Texans my five words for them O line more than a problem. The O line's more than a problem. That's it's a huge issue, and I'll get to that when we get there. I love Deshaun Watson. Get the sixth best, sixth best passer rating. He was tied for eighth in touchdown pass. And t- excuse me, in pass completion. He's efficient. That offense was very efficient, efficient and sound. You know him, DeAndre Hopkins, who arguably could be the best receiver in football. That might be something, another potential list, hint, hint. And listen, I just love J.J. Watt. Look, he's tie, he was tied for second in sacks last year. And by the way, he's fourth among active players in sacks in his career at 92. You know who has more? Terrell Suggs, Vaughn Miller, and Cameron Wake. And Terrell Suggs is the only dude on that list who has over 100 career sacks. That's that. J.J. Watt is fourth. Good, Walter Payne, man of the, I just love J.J. Watt could probably be the best defensive player of all time, potentially. He could be better than Lawrence Taylor. He could be better than Bruce Smith. That's potential. Listen, they're just great in the AFC. They were 9-3 in the AFC. They were great in the AFC. Listen, they were 4-2. They were tied with the Colts, who we'll talk about later. Listen, they know how to win in, in the conference. Here's where I think the problems are. Offensive line. They gave up 62 sacks and they didn't really address it in free agency or the draft. Deshaun Watson is going to be, probably, listen, it's like Russell Westbrook. Excuse me, Russell Wilson. Here's the thing Russell Wilson didn't have an offensive line. He had to run for his life and look at his stats. Deshaun Watson may end up being the next Russell Wilson, having to do it on his own. Listen, Bill O'Reilly. He only finished one season with the top 15 offense in yards. Folks, listen. And that's in his career. Here's the thing. I like Bill O'Brien. But listen, he's not like in danger of terrible. Listen, you cannot underperform in this division. I do believe that, listen, they can win a a lot of football games. I've showed you they can win a lot of football games in their conference. But the problem is that listen, offensively, you got Deshaun Watson and you got DeAndre Hopkins. You got to figure that out. That's a, that's see that's the, it's a listen. In Minnesota, the problem is Kirk Cousins. The problem here, so it's the quarterback problem in Minnesota with, with that talent. Here it's the coaching. Bill O'Brien, great offensive guy, but look, I just don't see it. If, if this year he doesn't do anything, he's got to you know listen. He's calling plays, so it's all on his doorstep. And that's the Houston Texans at 14. And 13, to wrap up this list for this episode, is my Atlanta Falcons. And simply put, <laughs> my five words is, playoff team on the IO's last season. It's about getting healthy. Listen, I love Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. You heard me talk about them periodically through this list here. Matt Ryan is third He's third amongst active players in past completion <laughs> Let me tell you something I love Matt Ryan And the value of, I just love him Julio Jones Let me tell you what I like about Julio Jones He's fifth among active players in receiving yards You know who's ahead of him Larry Fitzgerald, Brandon Marshall, Antonio Gates And Antonio Brown So You wonder why I think Julio Jones should get paid And that's going to be a pay or not pay if not next week oh it'll be it'll it'll be on the list and listen it's going to be a case close that's why you pay him Larry Fitzgerald Hall of Famer Brandon Marshall great receiver Antonio Gates Antonio Brown listen potential Hall of Famer Antonio Gates maybe a Hall of Famer Antonio Brown eh well, eh, well we'll see that duo has been great for a long time listen they got Dirk Cutter back listen Dirk Cutter the head coach not great I've always said that sometimes coordinators aren't head coaches Say la vie, that is life. But listen, with Atlanta, they were top ten in passing yards. They were fifth, sixth, and seventh. And he was the OC in from 2012 to 2014. Listen, you brought back the right guy in Gurcutter. He can figure it out. Even in Tampa, they had the best offensive football, and he lost his job because the defense was bad. Well, let me know. Stick to the one side of the ball, and that's offense. And there's no shame in that. But here's some of the things that concern me: their health. Devontae Freeman, Deion Jones, Keon O'Neill. If those guys can be healthy, and this team in general is healthy, this team can make a run and that's one the outside of a top 12 team. That's what makes them on the outside their health. And also, the workload now for the running back. Now that Tevin Coleman is in San Francisco, is it going to be on Kenyon Barter, the guy from Oregon, Brian Hill, and Edo Smith? Listen, I don't know if they're going to keep all those running backs, but if my money says they'll probably look at Kenyon Barner and maybe it's a competition between Brian Hill and Edo Smith. And that's one of the things. So listen, I looked at the stats, all these stats that I get from Pro Football Reference, NFL.com, they lead me to believe that, you know, I trust that Kenyon Barner may make this squad. Brian Hill and Ido Smith, I think they'll figure it out. I'm looking, because you maybe carry three. And what I like there. So once again. Baltimore Ravens. At 16 the Seattle Seahawks. At 15 the Houston Texans at 14. The Atlanta Falcons at 13. The next time we enjoy each other's company. You're getting. getting, Listen. I haven't decided if I'm going to do the next 12 teams left. But more than likely. I might do that. Because listen. I want to get through this. Because I want to get to some more stuff. And. And I, I've had fun doing this lesson. I hope you guys are enjoying them. And if you like I say, if you have anything to say one more time, social media at sports the world on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to the video link, you go to the about page on Sports the World, you click that, listen to this episode, many more. And there's a link where you can leave a little voice message. I may play it on the show. Give me your thoughts, your opinions, good, bad, or indifferent. And that my friends is Sports in the World Football Edition. And I hope to have your ears again on Friday. Until we meet again, until we hear again, be real, be you, and be blessed. Have a great day, afternoon, or night.